0: Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're talking about ending violent crime. Our guest, Irvin Waller, is emeritus professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa and author of, among other works, the incredibly useful book, uh, holding it up for those of you watching on video, Science and the Secrets of Ending Violent Crime. His uh, website is irvinwaller.org. Irvin Waller, welcome to Talk World Radio. Thank you. So so we're speaking in a moment when some people in the United States are aware that a Progressive district attorney in San Francisco was recalled by the voters after a corporate-backed recall campaign for not being tough on crime, never mind that crime was going down. Can you, uh, can you comment on this idea of, of needing to be tough on crime versus the idea of actually reducing crime?
1: Well, we've inherited from our forebears a system, particularly in the United States, that is based on the idea that the longer the prison sentence, the more likely you are to stop uh, crime. And this is just straight false. The United States uh, per capita has the highest number of people incarcerated in in the world by none. Um, six times that of uh, Germany or uh, Canada or choose your country. And it could be 10 or 15 times those, those rates. And if harsher penalties and heavier prosecutions actually worked, United States cities would be the safest in, in the um, developed world. And they're simply not. And in the last, uh, Two years, from 2019 to today, uh, we've seen, uh, I think, er, horrific surges in uh, homicides in cities like Chicago or Philadelphia and even uh, New York City. And uh, these are the result of uh, over-relying on a system that quite simply doesn't work. Now, I didn't say you don't try and catch serial killers. You do. Uh, And you need police to do that. and You need some sort of court system and you need some sort of uh, penalty. Uh, The problem is basically that once you have somebody killing, the horse has got out of the barn. And uh, what we know, by the way, primarily from U.S. uh, research that is neatly housed in the U.S. Department of Justice, uh, that if you get upstream, if you actually tackle the risk factors and the causes of violence, you can significantly uh, reduce violence over a relative short time period, over three to five years from when you start uh, doing it. Now, um, the United States is the United States and you're you're very split in terms of uh, uh, the viewpoints. And um, I don't know whether you can actually get reason to happen in, in, in both the extremes. But ultimately, I got involved in this stuff because I was on the US National Organization of Victim Assistance in the, in, in, in the 80s. And these were uh, people who'd been victims of crime, who wanted uh, better rights for victims of crime. The VOCA Act, Victims of Crime Act in uh, 1984, that actually Biden was one of the supporters uh, that was a, a huge step in the in the right direction, but it was helping victims after the fact. And uh, my interest is not just in helping victims after the fact; that's important, but stopping this from happening in the first place. Twenty thousand people will be murdered in the United States this year, give or take a couple of uh, thousand. These are primarily young uh, black men in areas of concentrated poverty in uh, the major cities. Uh, This is um, reversible. Uh, One of my favorite comparisons in the book is a comparison between Toronto and Chicago, third and fourth largest cities in North America. So Chicago, 2.7 2.7 million, whatever it is, losing population, though, it, it has 13,000 police officers, 13,000. The incarceration rate in the state of Illinois is around 600 per 100,000. Now let's look at Toronto, only 5,500 cops, way fewer cops. An incarceration rate that is for the province of Ontario or even the whole country is around 100 per 100,000. So, guess which has the most murders? And uh, Chicago last year had 800, 800 murders, uh, nearly all with uh, handguns, by the way. Whereas uh, Toronto had only 80, that's 10%. And half of those were with guns and half of those weren't with guns. So, the first thing is that uh, being Tough on crime, without being tough on causes, doesn't save lives. It doesn't stop injuries. It doesn't make neighborhoods uh, safer. It doesn't make families safer. So that's the first point. The second point is, well, why does Toronto have so many fewer murders? And um, some people would say, well, it has uh, fewer handguns. Yes. But more importantly, I, and, and often overlooked, is that Toronto has a social welfare net. So it, it provides healthcare, it provides, uh, uh, during the pandemic, it had a basic uh, income. And I think the reason why it has fewer handguns is that there's less of a need to have handguns in Toronto. So um, it, it 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 all fits uh, together now we are living in a period where the us has uh, amazingly solid science about what to do about violent crime and this is available on a website called crimesolutions.gov i don't know who invented that name but it was brilliant now nobody uses it except people like me who are analyzing to do what we need to do to reduce violence and if you go on to CrimeSolutions.gov, which I did, as well as a number of other websites across the world, you see a number of things that we can do. Uh, the Biden administration is talking about um, violence interrupters, so uh, outreach workers who can be trusted by young men involved in violence. Um, it really works. By the way, they were invented in Chicago, just not used. Well, not used uh, more recently. Um We know that uh, reaching those young men in hospital emergency rooms uh, and getting them to change their way of life, that works. And by the way, that is funded by VOCA, by the 1984 uh, legislation. Uh, And this works in the short term. Guy comes in, he's shot, not killed. Um, The surgeons uh, saw him up and the um, kindly, trustable uh, outreach worker gets to him and says, do you really want this again? And the guy says, yes, I want to uh, shoot the guy who shot me. And they get them to think through in that critical moment, is that really what you want to do? Do you really want to go out and uh, shoot and get shot? And not everybody changes their mind, but enough change their mind to see short-term reductions. And we have to get these actions uh, taken. Uh, And that requires uh, pioneers uh, like the district attorney in San Francisco um, and the district attorney in a few other cities in the United States. We have to get pioneers. And uh, the mayor of Newark, Newark, New Jersey, um, actually... Is doing the sorts of things that I talk about in my book. He set up a special unit, uh, not in the police department, on uh, violence prevention and trauma recovery. He actually took some money from the police department. I, I, I'm not necessarily for or against that, but as long as it has core money, I think he took 5% of their budget. And then he's bringing in new money for the sorts of projects that work in hospital emergency rooms, on the streets. Uh, um, I would like to see him doing more with school curricula to help young men choose. I would like to see him doing more in terms of uh, summer jobs where you mentor the young men because they they tend not to uh, follow through on the jobs they get. And these things would, with a plan like that, with a leadership center, it it, it will give over time, and that time is three to five years, a 50% reduction in violent crime. And that's what cities like Glasgow in uh, the United Kingdom have done. It's, by the way, also what the city of Bogota did in the year, um, in the 1990s. This is doable in the United States. You have to have uh, political will to do it. And I think mayors are important. uh, And um, yeah, they, uh, they have to propose real action and demonstrate that it works. And they will get reelected
0: one topic uh, irvin Waller that 's uh, on everybody 's mind in the u s uh, is the guns. Uh, this is a big difference from other nations like Canada that you can compare the United States with, and there is a huge amount of public will to ban the guns, restrict the guns, uh, register the guns, etc uh, but there's not uh, the, the, the Congress is bought and owned by the profiteers. From the guns, uh, and and yet, if we read your book, we know that you can address poverty and jobs and healthcare and schools and better childhoods and lives, uh, and have a better impact and more cost effectively than uh, the, the after the fact, the policing and the punishing and the imprisonment. Uh, And we know from your book that the United Nations knows this and the national governments know this and they talk about it. And even Vice President Kamala Harris once wrote a book about it, uh, but they don't do it. Uh, Is the problem a lack of public will or is the problem along the lines of guns, along the lines of war weapons companies needing more wars, corruption uh, in the political system? I don't. It, there may be corruption
1: around uh, gun control measures, and I'm not very hopeful that the uh, at the federal level that you're going to get, for instance, a um, pulling back on handguns. Um, and you have to remember that those handguns that are used in the areas of concentrated poverty in Chicago, they're all um, illicitly used. So it's not a question of... Uh, whether there were whether the right control measures before a young man goes and gets it and then shoots somebody else in, 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 in the neighborhood. Um, I, I, I think the problem is the over-reliance on a uh, criminal legal system that may have made sense um, 50 years ago or 100 years ago uh, but no longer makes sense because we now have so much knowledge about uh, why young men engage in this sort of violent behavior that results in uh, deaths and injuries and trauma. Uh, we also know a lot about uh, why uh, women, girls, LGBTQ are uh, victims of um, intimate partner and sexual violence uh, uh, the United States, by the way, has the gold standard on actually measuring intimate partner sexual violence. It's an absolutely amazing survey um, that if anybody actually wanted to reduce intimate partner sexual violence, they, they should be looking at it. And um, I, I, I I just don't know uh, w- w- what needs to change. I, I am sort of hopeful that a... Um, the, the leadership of Biden and Harris, both of whom have come out of the victim movement, the criminal justice movement, that they would actually uh, introduce uh, federal legislation uh, to promote awareness of the things that actually reduce violence and its application. Uh, I think they're going to do it with small projects on um, on uh, youth outreach, uh, uh, but you need a much grander scale uh, action. Uh, The United States sends close to, well, somewhere between 85 and $90 billion a year on incarceration, just on incarceration. And uh, for that, they have the privilege of incarcerating at a rate, whatever, six to 10 times of that any other developed country. Just imagine if you started using some of that money for things that really reduce violence. And uh, if you started funding um, mayors at the local level, particularly the big city mayors, who want to actually reduce violence. So, think what would happen if you uh, started offering Chicago. very large sums, they would say, uh, to actually implement the things that work. Now, you've already mentioned this, that that if you're going to actually reduce violence in Chicago, uh, you need to set up a, uh, a violence reduction planning unit, a little bit like Newark has done. You need to equip it with people who are able to do the analysis of where the problems are. And Chicago has those people already. And you then need to develop a plan. So um, you look and see where the main shootings and killings are taking place. And you look at what's going wrong in those areas and you propose uh, solutions. So um, that's what we need to see happen. Uh, I I would like to see every uh, major city mayor in the United States Adopt a vision of a fifty percent reduction
0: in uh,
1: violence um, before 2030. Irvin
0: Waller, let me ask you another question. I think we we know uh, that moving money from police and and prisons in many cases to more cost effective means of reducing crime uh, would further reduce crime. But can't police and prisons win? Over invested in uh, when you see recidivism rates skyrocketing and police uh, doing counterproductive things, uh, actually be counterproductive so that taking money out of them uh, alone uh, can help? I think the
1: uh, secret to reducing uh, violent crime in the United States is to invest in the things that actually work and not get into a fight, well, let's uh, cut the police budget by half and then put this money into prevention. I think what we have to do is uh, put money now into prevention. The book argues for the equivalent of 10% of what we spend in, in reaction. It doesn't say take away 10%, it says, uh, let's start investing. I mean, w- one of the things that we could be doing is every time you increase the police budget, you could uh, match that with money for effective prevention, because the police unions are very good at getting um, increases and in, increases in salaries, increases in capacity. Uh, and prevention is not. There's nobody really fighting for, um, for, for prevention. But whatever the means to do it, and I think the um, the Biden-Harris administration, uh, one of their legacies could be uh, to move the United States from uh, the most uh, violent country uh, in the G7, in the rich countries, where it has a homicide rate now three and a half times um that of the next or three times that of the next most violent country which is canada and uh, much higher than countries like germany or um, the united kingdom and what it really needs to do is to say well we are going to do the things that will uh, bring that homicide rate down in our cities over time and um it, it, it invest uh, real money And it's not just a question of money, it's a question of training the people who can actually do the planning at the city level. This is incredibly important and also at the state level, by the way, Um, it's uh, providing uh, instead of projects for violence interrupters that go for three years or five years, it's providing um, secure jobs like you have a secure job as a police officer. Uh, so that people can go to work in those areas and uh, make a difference. It, it, it's also about um, measuring. Uh, the United States is probably the leader in measuring everything, particularly in, in business. And I think you have to start treating violence prevention like a business where you analyze what you're going to do, you set targets, you train people, you do it, you measure, and if it's not perfect, you um improve it. And I I, I think it's a, a, a vision that needs to be uh, over more than one administration. So you need to actually adopt a, a federal law to make this happen, to move money into those uh, uh, issues. And uh, training, training, training. Uh, I think uh, Americans, while they in polls say they want more education and prevention than, than policing and lawyers and and prisons, um, they don't really know. And the people who are uh, governors have uh, not get, got to know this knowledge. This book was written, yes, in the hope that some of those politicians would read it, but more realistically, so that the people who are going to be the next politicians will read it, so that the people who advise those politicians will read it, so that um uh, committees in Congress or in state legislatures will uh, debate it, so that the, there is a um, a knowledge about uh, that the United States can be uh, yes, it it could have the safest cities in the developed world, as opposed to the most dangerous cities in the developed world.
0: Well, Irvin Waller, I think you are no doubt absolutely right that there is uh, going to be vicious opposition to talking about moving money out of police and prisons. Uh, I'm not hearing from you a a denial that money in police and prisons can actually be counterproductive. Um, There's another strategic decision that some organizations have made that you question in the book, uh, and that is, Groups aiming at reducing mass incarceration are largely focused on nonviolent criminals. And you point out in your book that the violent... Uh, crime, uh, incarceration is a bigger proportion uh, of those in prisons. And the knowledge exists for how to reduce violent crime. Isn't that the place to start when you're trying to reduce mass incarceration? And I think that, that groups would come back to you with a very similar answer to the one you just gave me. If we want to avoid vicious opposition, if we want to avoid the problem that people believe uh, that talking about reducing future crimes conflicts with pun- righteous punishment of, of past crimes uh, even though that's nonsense uh, then we have to be strategic and go after the reducing the nonviolent uh, crime incarceration rate. Uh, how would you respond well
1: i i, I, I think the key issue is people feeling safe. And the reaction to the uh, DA in San Francisco, somebody is playing that the world is not going to be safe if you allow this guy to go on doing what he's doing. And what we need are actions that actually make uh, neighborhoods and cities safer. And that's the knowledge that we have. We have knowledge about how to... Uh, reduce violent crime, how to reduce homicides. Um, and we need to y- y- use that. And a- as we make uh, cities safer, uh, I think folk are going to have more confidence that uh, prevention is the way uh, to go and, and not a visceral reaction uh, of anger that doesn't actually make anybody uh safer. Uh, And I think we need to get the knowledge out there. The book is about um, an an analysis of all the science we have about stopping street violence, stopping domestic violence from the United States and elsewhere. It's about how you implement that. And you see cities that have been successful, Um, not too many in the United States, Uh, But yes, the United States can learn from other cities. For instance, uh, in um, Canada now, the uh, province of Ontario requires every city to develop a community safety well-being plan. It's in the Police Act. It doesn't say uh, defund the police. It says start tackling the the causes. We also know that there are uh, movements to um, Black Lives Matter, uh, the, the... uh, movements uh, on, on on guns that are, are, are wanting safety. So we need to uh, help them get the knowledge so that they're actually promoting things that uh, would be effective. And the neat thing about today is that uh, it's maybe difficult to get the mainstream media to deal uh, with this. You can maybe get the op- op-ed, but they're very American focused. They, they don't seem to think they can learn from other places. But we're also living in a social media age where um, we can actually get messages out to politicians, to the public, on the sorts of things that that, uh, that uh, work. And I, I, I think if you, it's a small case, Newark, very small case. Uh, but when you look that a mayor can get elected on that platform, I think it shows that others can be elected. And I've worked in South Africa with horrendous levels of violence. I I've worked in England with much lower levels of violence. And, and the, the, this, the secret is um, not doing away with accountability. So you continue to be tough on crime. Um, it may not uh, reduce crime. Uh, you have to be smart on tackling causes. And that smart word is really important. Um, Harris's book had the smart word in it, but her book is very out of date now. Uh, uh, We have a huge amount more knowledge, uh, and what we need is that new knowledge used. We need competition between cities in the U.S. that actually want to reduce violence by 50% within a short time period. Um, We need money to go into that. We need business acumen to make that happen. Um, We need to move the foundations of Oh, well, we're going to fund another uh, violence interrupters. I'm in favor of violence interrupters. But that's not enough. You have to have a uh, systemic change so that uh, uh, violence interrupters is going to happen where it's needed in a sustained way, uh, as part of an overall plan that is actually going to reduce violence.
0: Very well said, Irvin Waller, with uh, less than a minute left, your book is called Ending Violent Crime, not dramatically reducing it, but ending it. How close can we get to that?
1: Uh, Well, uh, I I, I think we can reduce violent crime by 50 percent in the next uh, five years in uh, any city in the United States that puts its mind to doing it. Uh, And I think over time, we will get closer to uh, ending it, but it has to be step by step. So next five years, 50%, 50% after that, I I, am not uh, uh, dreaming that we can uh, eliminate uh, violent crime, um, particularly in the United States.
0: Well, let's get to work on reducing it. Everyone should read this book, Science and Secrets of Ending Violent Crime. We've been speaking with the author Irvin Waller. Irvin, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thank you for your interest. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica, network there is no way to peace peace is the way